0: Welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This time we're doing a weekly review. We're going to be looking at three albums, the first of which is the 2016 debut of the band Hashashin entitled Nisasha. And the second is going to be Halloween's Keeper of the Seven Keys part two, released in 1988. The third will be Carcass's recent release. (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the release. That's the release. It's an unsayable word. No, um, Carcass's recent release, um, called Torn Arteries, merely weeks ago came out in 2021. So, Floyd, what did you think of Nishasha?
1: So as I was saying, off camera, <laughs> totally not during a failed uh, video attempt. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, um, I thought the album cover was really cool. I like the way the name of the album was kind of mirrored. Underneath the name of the band. I thought that was super cool. I think the etymology behind the name is really cool as well. It's quite a cool fact. It's uh, because, if I'm not mistaken, it's some of the original assassins, or the the name derives from a term relating to um, them having to take hash before joining on a hunt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the hashashin would partake.
1: So, do you think you just had a really, like a group of really stoned assassins just being, ah, I can't be fucked (laughs) next time?
0: I think part of it, like, I think it, uh, obviously, it's the strain, man, but I think there's, like, some that heighten your senses, right? Yeah. And I think they would train with them to, like, heighten their tolerance and stuff. I know the Scythians or the Scyvians, however you pronounce it, who are, like, kind of um, Ural Steppe warrior race, uh, really, they invented, like, the compound bow, They're really amazing, oh, cool. really savage um, ancient people, and they would they would smoke using bongs made of like sticks in like a teepee shape and then they put skins on them. They'd stick their head in there and just get high as fuck. And they were like the only kind of people at the time who would drink wine unwatered. Yeah. So the Greeks described them and the Persians described them as utter savages yeah. because they drank their wine unwatered. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ.
1: Yeah, I um, should see people in Glasgow drinking Buckfest, Buckfest <laughs> at 3am in the morning. <laughs> Buckfest. <laughs> Buckfest. That's the name of the That's a festival. new festival I'm starting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they must be a descendants of the Sivians. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, in terms of the actual music itself, I really enjoyed it. Um, as I was saying as well, it kind of felt like I was climbing the metaphorical mountain of enlightenment. And um, I really enjoyed the instrumentation that was going on on this album. Um, they've got they've described the sound as a psychedelic. Oh great! I found it so easily first time <laughs> around. I can find
0: anyway. Look for the word dog. <laughs> it was like psychedelic drone doom. Was that what it
1: was? Drone prog. Drone prog. Psychedelic drone prog. That's that was it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty apt name because there's some pretty uh, dizzying kind of guitar work. And the drum is, drum work is insane. It's like,
0: fantastic.
1: Kind of like really kind of free form, kind of jazzy, a lot of fills, very fill heavy. Mm. Um, a lot of crazy, like super loud cymbal work as well. I think one of the things I was thinking when listening to this album was. Um, I liked the fact that the production was quite abrasive and brash. Yeah. So I felt like if the production was too kind of sterile and clean, I wouldn't have been anywhere as interested in this album because so I felt like it just would have sounded too clean cut. But it had that that aggression to it and just that kind of raw uh, energy to it, which I thought really kind of elevated the music. But just really cool. There's just some great... Um, it's always a funny one when a, when an album doesn't have any um, any vocals in it because it's something that always draws me to an album first typically tends to be the vocals so it's always a testament to how good an album is when it's basically an instrumental album i mean there's some chanting in one of the songs right which is used pretty effectively actually but for the most part it's um but it keeps things interesting and yeah it seems to like climax towards the um, the middle track um levitation Mm. which is quite a kind of a foreboding um kind of melodic track and then, um, yeah, and then it's like this really cool kind of really imposing riff towards the end before it kind of just eases up again. And I felt like it's definitely like the, the title, the, the names of the tracks kind of really lend to the music, which is something I, I like in a lot of albums as well. Because I yeah. felt like even the uh, one of the tracks, Moksha, which I looked up what that was. And that's achieving, it's escaping the cycle of rebirth, opposed upon by karma. Samsara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we covered that when we were talking about Ohm. Ohm. Yeah, yeah, which is there very similar, very Throwback. similar
0: concept to the Ohm album.
1: And there was some great. Uh, I'm presuming it's pronounced bazooki.
0: Yeah, it's bazooki. Yeah,
1: cool. yeah. There's some great, like really kind of dizzy and bazooki work there, and I think they've done a great job of in- of implementing that instrument into like the array of the uh, the madness going on before the guitars and the drums, which is just pretty frenetic a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, it's stunning work. I really enjoy it. And I yeah, I really picked up on the um like I like that the concept of the album in terms of like the ordering of the songs, the what's included in the songs, and also the name of the album too. Like the fact that it's mirrored in the album name. It took me like five years to work out as like Nishasha. Yeah. Sorry if I'm butchering that. It's like <coughs> Hashashin backwards. I should have really it's like so obvious. Um but yeah, like, you know, the the Tracks, so prostration, the ascetic, immolation, levitation, ascension, disintegration, moxa, dog, and rebirth, that's samsara, it's the cycle of life. And then you've got gotcha. like the reflection of the band name and the cover and the symmetry. And that's like, it's really, um, it's like super kind of obviously religious in that sense, not necessarily in like a worshipping a specific religious sense, but it's, it's going into the philosophy of religion, which I really love. That is something I adore in music, which is ironic because so much metal is actually anti-religious. So I actually love religious metal yeah. in a way, not that I am like myself into the, practicing it. I just love learning about it.
1: Do you think that could potentially be because I feel like so much music is interwoven into religion and so much religion is kind of enhanced by the musical aspects, whether it be through like some of the prayers that are sung and just, and I feel like a lot of that is lost on a lot of modern music, right? Because like I said, especially in the metal scene, because it's all Mm. about really kind of rebelling against that. And I feel like it's such a common trope. And I've said it once before, I've said it probably about a hundred times before about how I just think the whole anti-Christian shtick is just so... Overdone and oversaturated at this point. Like, I, I couldn't think, there's no quicker way to turn me off an album than, if it, than, than it being labeled as like a satanic or a, yeah, or like an anti fucking theistic sort of. So, I'm just instantly. So, no, I agree with you. I think it's quite cool because I feel like, you know, for me personally, music is something that um, can bring you closest to what could be described as the soul. Yeah. Um,
0: and for some people, that's divinity.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with the religious concepts a lot of the time because it's about that inner enlightenment. And, you know, like I, me personally, I've always seen religion as a metaphor for finding that kind of inner peace and inner strength, which I think, you know, is... um, has been lost in the way religion has been kind of marketed in some countries. I mean, yeah. if you look looking like, in the West, for example, in America with all the churches and stuff, you got that guy, Joel, I can't remember his surname. But oh, the, the guy,
0: evangelical healing man.
1: Yeah, he yeah. was the one that basically, when it was one of the floods in Texas, oh, and he shut his doors and he had this yeah. big, super mega church and was just like, nah, sorry, you guys aren't allowed in here. And, you know, the fucking, it's just...
0: Yeah, fuck that shit. Like, <clears throat> I think there's such a difference between modern and recent recent religion to the history of music because i th- i feel like intuitively if you were discovering music for the first time as a human being you were like sitting around in a cave with your your cave person friends and then you will start singing that's gonna feel religious it's gonna feel like other than yourself and from another place and received and like ancient greek ancient In general systems of thinking about music was that it was received from gods the same with art and then after that you had like um like not that i i like religious institutions but if you think of like the renaissance for example the churches and in the middle east like religious institutions sponsored artists and they sponsored musicians and the reason that we have understanding of harmonics in western society is because of church choral music of of like placement as well like venues venues developed because people realize that if you put people in a different places in a church, you could create different kinds of sounds. And like the idea of bass and treble and all these things were because church choirs, they realized if you don't if you arrange them separately, it <clears throat> sounds better as opposed yeah. to if you mix them together. Like all our understanding of music actually comes from discoveries through religion. Um, and again, like I'm not being like, you guys should be religious. I'm just saying it's important and I think dismissing it is just for the sake of like appearing dangerous is a bit silly i think yeah. you're like missing out on a lot of what you could really be learning from and engaging with and enjoying
1: yeah no no 100% and you know what you've just said there is kind of just um, really made me think i think the reason why at robin festival for example my favorite stage is the one that's in like the stained glass kind of like church yeah and it's actually got really good acoustics as well so it's um, it's go. cool but then unfortunately they don't use that venue anymore oh, they had to sell yeah. it off which was a shame
0: yeah, it's but, a um
1: but no yeah it's um, yeah, that is such a valid point
0: thank you that's <laughs> good to be heard. Yeah, um, I was going to say as well, um, I looked into where some of the like this album makes really good use of sampling, which is something I very rarely say because I usually hate samples. And as you said, it's used really well too. like the women chanting um, is actually from a town called Budhanath in Nepal. And then you've got monks chanting at Ranka Monastery, which weirdly has a four star review on Google. Oh. I don't know why. Um, it's a Buddhist temple between Nepal, Bhutan, and it's technically in India. It's just like a little bit poking up between the okay. two in the Himalayas. It's like a really cool place on the map. And um, and then the kingdom, so there was something, as relation. as there's um, references to the kingdom of Dage as well, which was a, a kingdom in Cham In the 15th to 19th century, it was a center of industry and religion politics. So it's interesting that they're referencing all these parts of the Himalayas, um, and like talking about Hinduism and all this kind of really interesting cultural like mashing together. It's not just like a single country. They're looking at like a huge area and connecting all the cultures together, and it sounds really cool. So yeah, yeah these guys are awesome. I really like that about them. They're not appropriating.
1: See, that's cool because you said Durga, which I'm presuming is how you pronounce the second last track.
0: I think so. On yeah. The album
1: because I would I just it's
0: Durga pres- the also the god right.
1: Well, see, I, I didn't, I couldn't find anything. I just presumed it might just be in a different spelling of the word dirge.
0: Oh, no. So there's oh. also Durga, who's this sick um, Hindu god. She's like, um, I think she's a destruction goddess. Hang on. And there's like, it's again like Hindu. Let me see if I can bring her up because she's fucking cool. Yeah, she's also known as Devi and Shakti. And she was created for slaying the buffalo demon Mahisa- Mahisara... By Brahma Vishnu, and Shiva, so yeah, she's just cool. I like
1: her. I remember doing Diwali at school. Did you do Diwali in primary school?
0: We did in my infant, yeah,
1: yeah, and it was that shit was wild. Like, I loved it. Oh, it's so just, I just felt like, wow, this, this is some cool. Like, that was like the only play in school I ever enjoyed <laughs> being a part of because we had done Oliver Twist, um, I think we've done the Pied Piper, which is always a bit sinister, especially when it's a primary school doing it. Um, and then, um, we did Diwali, I think, for the first three years, like years one, two, and three. Mm. I think we've done like a yearly um celebration play of it. And it was just super cool. I loved it. I just love like the lore of it.
0: I remember, mm. oh god, in my primary school we did this like play, and it was supposed to be like Christmas around the world. And thinking back on it, it's like awful. Because they they like dressed us up in saris and we were like they obviously chose me because i was like vaguely brown
1: <laughs> you're the closest to that region <laughs> yeah. right and there was
0: like one indian guy and his mum came and like dressed like a bunch of us and put, like free white girls and saris and we came on and i think they were putting on like indian accents Oh, <laughs> it was so cringy Ooh. it was so so racist like oh yeah of course they celebrate christmas in india because you know it's so superior to everything else it's like whoa we don't care if it's christmas bro
1: did you cover how they celebrate christmas in japan
0: no i don't think so they go to
1: kfc <laughs> i because...
0: wish we did so i could have some kfc <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they think that that um christmas being a western holiday the embodiment of western society is kfc so on christmas day they all go out and have some fried chicken
0: wow i mean it's not it's true yeah. like it is probably one of the most iconic representations of current western society is the fried chicken yeah yeah um, wow Man, I need to up my Christmas game. I normally. Who would have thought we would have
1: gotten to fried chicken so quickly? <laughs>
0: right. Well, it's only ever a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say one last thing about Durga that I find cool is that she always rides a lion, usually, always. Um, and she has either eight or ten arms, each one with a cool weapon from one of the gods. Ah, that's cool. Which is like so cool. I love that she has loads of weapons and they like, for her to buffle the, the demon buffalo,
1: which is. It's like Goro cool. from Mortal Kombat.
0: Yes, I don't know, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so yeah. Don't, don't. I
1: just um, I just want to say as well, I want to give a, a special shout out to the drums on this album because I think the drums were absolutely phenomenal. So I've got Evan McGregor as a drummer on this release and um, yeah, just a lot of cool techniques. Like, um, like I said, a lot of jazz influence. Yeah. On one of the tracks, um, Ascension, uh, it sounds like he's using a lot of ghost notes, which is where you hit like the rim of the drum um, to, just to give it that kind of like kind of loungy kind of sound for lack of a better term but just some really cool shit going on like a lot of fills just it's just interwoven with the bass so well and like it's always you, you know it takes a lot of talent to do it when it doesn't sound like a mess when you know it should really sound like a mess because there's quite a lot going on musically but they managed yeah. to keep it like quite tightly wrapped
0: they're using some like really complex like in a western way time signature um, but like rhythmic cycles if you're thinking about it non-Western-wise, um, and it's really hard to carry that off with so much instrumentation at the same time and with so many transitions and without vocals. Because, um, like, I don't know, it depends who you anchor to when you're playing, but sometimes it, without a vocalist it can be even harder because you're like, oh, I'm at this point of the song, I'm at that point of the song, but you can, like, drift off and be like, where am I?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's just totally, there's some really, there's some certain tracks reminded me of some quite strange... <laughs> Comparisons like Rebuff was quite a jazz-heavy track, and there's a part of it. There's a bit of it that had like the almost tremolo pick-style death metal section, but there was a part of it that was like really sounded like really super heavy jazz, similar to um you to listen to Norway Shining. Yeah. So not the not the weird Swedish Shining. <laughs> Fuck those guys. The black jazz guys.
0: No.
1: Um, and that, <laughs> and then there's another the song Durga, which um which I was going to pronounce Durge before you. Uh,
0: I mean but, I could be pronouncing it wrong. Huh. Just because I'm brown doesn't mean I know all the words.
1: But that's a really cool track. Opens with like a super like quite heavy proggy section. Yeah. And um and there's parts of it that remind me of this quite obscure I think they're a French like hardcore kind of like grindy band called Nostromo. Oh. The named after the ship in the uh, the alien franchise. Oh, that's so cool. And they also do some really cool, like, little production tricks and different Tones and dynamics on the guitar that remind me of that album. Funnily enough, mm. which is strange because it doesn't sound alike at all. But there's yeah. a few times, just a, just the tone of the instruments at times, really remind me of a few tracks of that album. I have to let you guys listen to it at some point because I think I've got a rip of it on my computer. Like, <laughs> it's not on Spotify, but it was a cool album.
0: That's really awesome. I love that. I was I was a little bit um, trepidatious about submitting like a, an instrumental. Because it is kind of difficult sometimes to review instrumental albums, but there is just so much going on in this that I think it's like, I really love this. I think I listened to this... When we were recording our first album, and I remember Shem really wanted to call the track "Ascension," and I'm like, really, I'm really fucky about. <laughs> I really, need... Shem's like, no, stop, 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 stop. You <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You were going to call it "Ascension." Then you had no, no idea. "Ascension" was the note that I wrote about the song as like because what i do when i'm writing is I, n- I never name a song until everything's finished yeah because like the song changes as you write it so i'll put a placeholder name but like shem saw the placeholder name and he was like no it could only be ascension and i was like no i don't want it to be and like, we had this like six month long argument where i'd be like shem there are like 50 songs called ascension and i remember i like, found this album and i was like look there's a song right here that's also called Ascension. It's a really good it's a good name. I really like yeah. the name. It works really well on this album. Obviously it like fits in the concept, but I feel like um it eventually became Asha Pal's request, which I think is uh more suited to our style. I don't
1: know how much I like being thrown under the bus.
0: You're not being thrown <laughs> under the bus. How is that being thrown under the bus am I shaming you? I don't mean to shame. Is I just think it's fun. Yeah. I just <laughs> think it's funny. <laughs> Ascension. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's a good band called Ascension, actually.
0: That I believe, yeah, I know a lot about music relating to the word Ascension now <laughs> because of that one debate that raged within the band. Um, but yeah, like I think they've they fully deserve to have that song called Ascension because it works really well and it's a beautiful song.
1: It just—it's actually just a really easy album to listen to, which yeah. I think is one of the things you remarked when we were discussing about reviewing it. Um, I'd never heard of this group before, um, so it was—I always loved going in blind with these sort of things. But yeah, you know, I mean, like it was, I mean, it wasn't overly long either. Like sometimes I feel like it could be a bit overindulgent at times. Mm. Um, albums of that nature, I'm think, talking more instrumental albums. Um, but no, it was, I think it was the perfect length. I think just the flow of the tracks, like I said, it, it really does kind of rise and fall. And I think, you know, it, it, it lends perfectly to the, the subject material. It's kind of the titles mm. of the tracks are alluding to. Obviously you can't see the lyrics because there's no lyrics. But yeah, no, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Just super easy to listen to and kind of jam to. Strange, given how kind of crazy the album is, because it's quite yeah. like all, all over the place at times, but in the best possible way.
0: It's a peaceful listen. I used to listen to this and walk to work. That, i have like cool. a half hour walk and I'd blast this and I'd just like stump my way. <laughs> it's a really good walking album.
1: Yeah, what was... Um, did I ever have a walking album? I can't think of... I'll think of it for next time.
0: I have like three go-tos. One of them is this. One is um, Ablation by Floor. Okay. which is a fantastic album. Have you, have you heard no? it? Oh my God, we should review it. Yeah, it's such it a good album. Oh yeah. my gosh. And the other one, I will have forgotten. I like Car Bomb as well. They're really good for walking. Um. Oh my God, no. Floor and, oh, like one of my favorite bands. That's
1: F-L-O-O-R,
0: not the new metal band F-L-O-R. Yeah, I'm not really a cool. new metal kind of guy. Um, it would be hard pressed to find me listening to anything apart from System for Down. I can't remember the other one, but Floor is a good album as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: Carbum's a good shout, to be fair. They're really That's, good. Uh, they're so good live. Oh, I saw I wish them I could with Gojira them. and um, I think it was Cold Orange.
0: Nice. So that
1: was quite a brutal gig. It was good.
0: Mm, God, I'm envious. I'm envious. Should we move on to Halloween, Keeper of the Seven Keys Aye, part two? Let's... Yeah, I was—I put this in the wrong order by accident. I cannot believe this was released in 1988. This a, oh, really? This was a, a full-on Floyd suggestion. and <laughs> I'm, I love it. I'm grateful for it. Because I've always needed to like... I, one of those bands that I knew I'd listen to because I like Blind Guardians. I was like, yeah. of course, I'll like Halloween. Um, I'm pretty sure they've played together, right? And they've, have, did they have they have shared members? Is, is Kiska, has he worked with...
1: Yeah, I think um, Hansi Kirsch is quite close with, like, Michael Kiska and yeah. stuff. And, and they've both been involved in Tobias Samet's project, Avantasia. So okay, that's there's it. There's a guy yeah. from Ed Guy he has got his super group and he's always got, like, Kiska guesting on tracks and, and Hansi Kirsch on the newest uh, Avantasia album as well. Avantasia's a lot cheesier than Halloween because <laughs> the great thing about... Halloween, especially these earlier albums as well. There's a healthy dose of like thrash and speed yeah. metal still in it, so it's got like it's not, it doesn't have as much pomp as some of the the newer power metal bands, which is a bit more kind of overly clinical and, and fuck it, I'll just say it, a bit too much like Dragon Force. <laughs> <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> Shots fired. What's <Yeah, laughs> wrong with that?
1: But it's just not for me.
0: I don't like it when it's overly cheesy. It's a little bit too um, too much for me. Yeah, it's like you know when you want to buy some clothing. And you're like, you've got like the normal, normal Zara coat, then you've got like the slightly edgy coat, and then you've got the full on Camden dripping with like, like yeah. bondage <laughs> stuff and yeah, like yeah. chains, which is, it has its all, like, people like what they like, but for me, I'm like, I'm in the middle coat, I'm in the middle. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it too cheesy.
1: All I could think about there was I remember one time, um, Amy had um, it was a shirt she bought. I'm pretty sure it was in Camden as well, (laughs) and it was um, no. I'm talking absolute bullshit. She bought this in Japan. One of the best things about Japan is you go there and you find um, shirts with like with with English on it because oftentimes it would be like be wrong. Yeah, just really (laughs) strange sentences. I love that. So one of them was you called me hippie. I said fuck off.
0: I was just like that. To is, Shem. I
1: was like, I was like, that's so good.
0: <laughs> that happened to Shem and Duna. No, <laughs> we were watching a band. They're awesome. But, like, they actually turned out to be really lovely guys. But we never, we hadn't met them at this point. And there was like, insanity like insanity alert. F- insanity alert. There was like forty, like hundred of us, I guess, on the beach. And like insanity alert, come on. And like, they're halfway through the set. They just stop, point at Shem and go. <laughs> Look, there's a hippie in an enslaved shirt. <laughs> oh, that's it, a And Shem just sitting there like, "Why me? <laughs> yeah. Why me?" But he was just minding his own business. He wasn't anybody laughed at the hippie in the tube shirt. Literally, that's what they did. They just all pointed at Shem and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad. Just...
1: but it's so like, silly, an entomb shirt is so common, right? Why pick up on the tube shirt? Like, it's just, I feel like I always see at least one like left-hand path shirt a gig. It was. It's a
0: nice shirt. I like it. I steal it all the time. But they—they turn out to be really lovely guys. They're just total like trolls. Like, are they, good are they like
1: The party thrash sort of they The
0: party thrash, kind of. yeah. yeah. It was totally unexpected because you don't know who's gonna play. Yeah. So we thought it was gonna be some like really arty, like hmm. fought-out thing, and these like fresh guys turn up and like they, they just have this like they look fresh. Like they just <laughs> you could tell they drink loads of alcohol. And yeah. like this guy like comes up and he's got all these signs, and yeah. and yeah, like they were they were really funny. I like them a lot.
1: I think they they are either playing or have played Damnation before. So I remember seeing oh, them on
0: the bill. Wow, that's cool. Oh, that's yeah, they're cool. from Innsbruck. Everyone is always asking us if we were from Innsbruck. It's really strange. What the fuck is Innsbruck? <laughs> Loads of people from Germany. Innsbruck. Oh. I oh, it was <coughs> Austria. Is it Germany? It was Austria. Germany, it's close to Austria. Okay, well, there, there you go. I've learned something today. My drummer and my old band was from Innsbruck, so we stayed there for a while. It sounds like a level in a video game where everything is like secretly a zombie, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've, um, the only place I've been in Germany and uh, is I want to preface this not not because of the history of the place is Nuremberg.
0: <laughs> I knew you to <laughs> say something like that.
1: <laughs> it's for work, but it's um, there's a, there's a big trade show there. But um, I just always want to go explore it a bit more because um, and nice. then we're kind of segwaying back into Halloween here because so oh, there are German bands. They are indeed. They're uh, from Hamburg. <laughs> Um, the
0: segway comes out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you an actual segway one day. You could like segway into frame. Joe, this is
1: the thing I've always wondered because you don't say segway, is it? Because it's S E G U E, right? That's
0: segway. No seg segway. That's the
1: word, right?
0: Seg. seg. It's segway. Yeah. It is segway. That's what the segway is called. what? I thought,
1: I thought. I thought the word is actually S E G U E. But I thought people were mispronouncing it as Segway so much that I just started saying Segway as well.
0: Maybe it's an American pronunciation. Oh, here we go. Google's going to get it right. Yeah, Segway.
1: Segway, okay. Now that the
0: word has lost all meaning.
1: (laughs) I know. Because we said it so
0: much.
1: (laughs) But no. And um, do you know what? Halloween, like Blind Guardian, who's already mentioned, uh, just one of those bands who I think are kind of... uh, they kind of transcend the confines of like the power metal genre a bit. I feel like a lot of people can get into Halloween and um, in their kind of back catalogue. This is, I personally prefer, because this is a two-part kind of album. You've got Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 um, and then there's Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2. Mm. I think the reason why I wanted to do this one was I think, in my humble opinion, this has probably got some of the most catchiest power metal songs and riffs I have ever heard in my life. Like, it's got the massive hit, I Want Out, which is, a, like, a world-renowned, recognised hit and just a, a major international um, metal song. Um, and it's just... Um, I just love it. And I think Kiska is just one of the best vocalists of all time. Um, he's just got such a such a good, like, kind of vibrato to his voice and mm. his falsettos are amazing. Um, and it's just over the top. Like, it's just... It's, it's, it's unnecessary a lot of the time. But it's, um, it just fits so well. And the thing is, like you were talking earlier about Metal being kind of like cheesy and stuff. And don't get me wrong, this album is cheesy as fuck. Like I don't know if it's you read...
0: In a in a, pro, like a nice way.
1: Yeah, in kind yeah. of a wholesome sort of way. I don't know if you read the lyrics to like Dr. Steen, which is about like him, like, well, Frankenstein. Or, is it Frankenstein or Steen? Stein, it's
0: Frankenstein. But I so guess if you're German, maybe it's Frankenstein. Maybe it's pronounced Steen.
1: Stein, Frankenstein. I'm going to say Frankenstein.
0: <laughs> you sound like very schwarzenegger
1: Stein but it's about him like cloning members uh, cloning people to form like the ultimate rock band and like multiple an <laughs> assistants so
0: cheesy and stuff
1: and it's you know just shit like that and there's like there's the track um, Rise and Fall which has a lyric where <laughs> I can't remember what they're talking about but the line is that he couldn't get it up and then it's got like a sad whistle sound you know the <laughs> Just shit like that. But I mean, I was super young when I recorded this. Oh my but God. like it's um it's interesting because like the first Halloween album, uh, Walls of Jericho, which is funny enough, it's where the wrestler Chris Jericho no. got his name no. from. I was actually yeah.
0: thinking of Chris Jericho when you said that. Yeah, so he, crazy. he he
1: legit got his name from the Walls of Jericho album. Wow and I am presuming the hardcore band Walls of Jericho also took their name from. I
0: was actually thinking the of them too when you said yeah.
1: that too. Huh. Oh. Um but yeah, that album is like a lot more kind of like aggressive and kind of thrashy and like it's a bit more of its time. There was a lot of releases like that. But, um, you know, then with the release of Keeper of the Seven Keys part one and then part two, where I think it kind of fully fledged the sound, it's kind of one of those early albums that incorporate, you know, the more sillier aspects of metal, but do it in a way that's still, you know, it's serious. Like the guitar riffs are, are pretty good. There's some great dual lead work throughout the album. The, the title track, Keeper of the Seven Keys, is like one of the most epic power metal songs ever written like it, it's it's super long it's got it starts with a great acoustic passage there's so many transitions and riffs and the lyrical subject matter of that track is it's i think it's a loose like sci-fi story about someone who's got the keys to hell or something and he's got to destroy them to defeat the devil and stuff <laughs> but like there's like a different riff when they talk about each different key oh
0: that's so clever so it's
1: just like you know there's so many cool transitions and stuff happening on this album it's just i just love it and it's funny, I was saying the other week um, that every time I talk about something that I like a lot, I always get so flustered. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, there's just so much shit I want to say. It's like when we're talking about the Afterbirth album. Yeah. Um, but like, um, but no, like I, just, I just totally love this and I'd love to hear more what you've got to say about this album.
0: I, I really enjoyed it. I loved reading about like, kind of the history of the band because I didn't know that Halloween had been around for so long. I didn't know they were bigger in the past than they are now as well. Um, and yeah, like the album, when I thought, I, I didn't think it was going to be so fast. I remember like I put it on and it started playing and I was like, well, this is super fast. And then it just kept being fast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's just like so hyper. I loved it. Yeah. It was like really um, a kind of, I'm not comparing the actual sound, but it reminds me of kind of like K-pop at times. If that makes sense, I I don't know why. Because it's kind of like high energy. Yeah, Yeah, it's like loads of energy there, and I really like that. It also weirdly that energy reminds me of cryptic shifts energy in visitations from Enceladus because that's also the same kind of super upbeat and like really complex, and there's like so much going on. I actually really like that. I've never, I don't listen to much music that's like that. Usually, what I listen to is like way more chill and heavy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff in like the major key in here and stuff. There's a lot of happy sounding stuff. One thing they're really good at doing as a band is really well-placed kind of like samples and synths and little production tricks. Like, you know, when there's a really super heavy, kind of like more aggressive part, they'll, they'll, they'll put a lot of reverb and delay on the guitar solos just to kind of hammer it home. And they'll be like, just really like in the title track, Keeper of the Seven Keys, there's one part where there's like a quieter acoustic period. And there's just one really loud synth part that just punctuates it. And then that's the only real synth part you hear on the entire track mm. and just little bits and like that they don't overuse it yeah. like a lot of bands like because the thing is when i think of like bad simps and i I don't know why i'm calling out loads of bands today but you know <laughs> like a band like dimu Ear, for example or where it's just like it, it could be a bit too cheesy and overbearing yeah. at times yeah. it's got its place and i'm not i'm not saying they're a bad band by any stretch of the imagination
0: Cradle are um, total, totally guilty of using bad synths.
1: Yeah, I was gonna mention Cradle <laughs> <too>, as well. <laughs> but you know I mean it's like and I know you're a you're a you are a you are a fervent sort of anti-Synth person. I'm
0: anti-bad, simp. anti-bad I'm
1: simp, synth. Anti-bad synth. I'm pro-good synth.
0: I'm a connoisseur of synth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but now there's some cool shit. And like, yeah, what you were talking, you're touching a little bit about like the history of the band, is they've had a bit of a resurgent recently because what they do now, they've got this thing called like pumpkins. United where they tour with the current vocalist because Kiska left the band mm-hmm. um, and then they had their other vocalist Andy Derris come in but he also performs with them live and they've just released an album this year which I haven't actually listened to I haven't got around to it but it has both vocalists on the album Cool. so when they do I went to watch them in Brixton Academy a few years back and it was a great show because they cycle through I remember
0: the... they played <laughs> was it with Blind Guardian
1: it was do you know what
0: it was them no. and, oh Avantasia.
1: There wasn't any other bands. It was a solo show at the Brixton Academy, I think. The one I watched, anyway.
0: I remember hearing about you going because I think it was when we were, yeah.
1: Yeah, because it was. It was the funny thing was, it was the day after Roadburn, so just come back from this super serious, like fucking, like you know, listen to super hipsterish, you know, like really, like you know cool music and I was like yeah I'm watching Halloween as soon as I get back <laughs> but it was so he put on such a good show like honestly they're so tight musically and Kiska's voice has stood up like live he is one of the best vocalists as well um, clean vocalists um, but yeah it's so cool because obviously they got both members of both eras of the band and they perform material throughout the entire catalogue like, That they don't leave anything out it was like a two hour over two hour set so it was a real spectacle to watch live it was a great show
0: that is awesome. Yeah, I, I think I imagine them to be more like Blind Guardian because I haven't listened to very much of this kind of metal um, or music in general because I have tended to avoid it because of what you're saying about the synth. Like, when yeah. I think of bad synth, I think of, no offense, some Nightwish stuff that I listened to in the early 2000s and I never went back to again, I'm sure. Like, they, they vocally are amazing. And musically, they're really impressive. But I tend to just have, like, a reaction to some synth. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to, like, avoid some but now like i'm slowly opening up and i love i really love the fact that there's so many and <laughs> Floyd isn't happy I've
1: got damaged <laughs> vocal cords by the way i'm not i'm not infectious currently
0: <laughs> we're all good we're all good we're a bubble um and yeah basically we're, that sounds really weird to say out loud <laughs> excuse me shem just took the piss out of my voice we are a bubble how about that um Yes. I like the fantasy references in this genre in particular. There's, like, so much fantasy. I am personally having a fantasy resurgence. Like, I've always been hard into it, but this year I've just, like, read The Wheel of Time. I'm reading, like, five different fantasy series right now. I love it so much. Um, And this music is, like, the perfect kind of You say you read Dune
1: this year, or you have read Dune already? Oh, I've read Dune many times.
0: I've read Dune, like, first when I was a teenager. And Dune is coming out this year. I need to reread Dune soon. But I read Wheel of Time, which is, like... Tens of thousands of pages. Well, yeah. I think it's about, it's like an almost a 1,000 pages per book and there's 15 books. So it's probably like over 10,000 pages.
1: Has there ever been any interest in a Wheel of Time sort of TV show or movie? It's coming or...
0: out like next month.
1: No way. I am
0: so excited. That's I'm wild. so, 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 so excited cool. for it. I'm going to lose my mind when it comes out. And the casting looks really good as well.
1: Apparently the June casting is really good. I've heard from people who are somewhat fans. Or...
0: I don't like Timothy Chalamet. Say again uh, some guy He's know the name he's just, some he's, he's some young face man he's just like he's like, not the same as I, I know it's considered one of the worst films ever but I love the David Lynch film I love yeah. it I think Jason Momoa is a very good casting for Duncan Idaho um, they should have got Patrick Stewart back in my opinion um, but
1: who's Dave Batista playing again
0: is he Gurney I think he's Gurney he's one of the Harkonnens oh is he oh actually that's pretty good and Skarsgård <laughs> is one of the Harkonnens is a very good casting
1: which, which Skarsgård uh, is it, is it the, the, the old one. Oh, Stellan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the original Harkonnen guy was fucking gross to look at in, the, in like the best, because they are gross in the best yeah. way. And Sting was like in it too wearing like the weird cod piece. it's what, such a good thing is in the he's, thing. He's, he's in the david lynch movie no like, it's so good no. have you not I've seen it, seen I've it? Not seen it no, no. oh it's but such a good film so i've not watched no, it's it it's awesome. good it's really yeah. good honestly <laughs> like it's it's shit if you're like oh, i only watch tarkovsky but okay. like tarkovsky is <laughs> great too but like it's 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 fine i like
1: it i want to read the book first though that's a thing I'm, I'm like that i like to read I like to know about the source material before I watch a film.
0: There are many books. There's more than one. Yeah. Um, the first, the Lynch film is just the first book. The books are wild. I was literally talking to Luke about them, who is generally like no interest in this kind of thing. And yeah. he was, his mind was so blown. <laughs> this is a picture of Sting in the his codpiece. So it's such a good film. So good. I love that film so much. Looks like
1: he's just finished one of his four-hour kundalini yoga sessions there
0: <laughs> he was definitely doing some kundalini on that set man <laughs> it's such a great film the sandworms are fucking epic as well like i don't know how i feel about the new ones that look kind of buttholey, but yeah. hopefully they make them like cool and scary i don't know
1: yeah yeah that's cool i've got looking forward to it i'll probably watch it in the cinema to be fair
0: i probably won't yeah. <laughs> anyway um yeah so i like the fantasy connection with music um Blind Guardian have like a Wheel of Time song. They also have a Michael Moorcock song. So I'm, I'm thinking, I feel, I'm feeling it from Halloween as well. They had some like, I was like wondering if they had uh, like March of Time and Keeper of the Keys. It feels like it's a reference.
1: Yeah, there's um a few Lord of the Rings references. They've got an album called Master of the Rings. Nice. So yeah, it's um they're strongly into it as well. It just seems it's it's super big in Germany. It really is. Fantasy is huge there. Um, and I'm just talking from a from a professional perspective as well, because I just know how much business we have in Germany. Is, I didn't know that. Oh, it's unreal. That's it's so crazy. It makes so much more money in Germany than we do wow. in the UK. Apparently.
0: Oh, so the UK is not as fantastically inclined.
1: No. In any in any form. <laughs> think,
0: uh, Especially yeah. when it comes to food availability and petrol. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> On that note.
1: <laughs> but no, it's just you know what? It's um Uh, One thing I do want to say quickly is uh, a quick quick shout out and a a rest in peace to the drummer of this album who unfortunately died in 1995. Uh, They actually, um, I can't remember which track it was, but there's a few tributes to him. And the drumming on this album is actually really good as well. It's always... uh, It's always... And I love the drum production on the album as well because, like, one of the things I really... That puts me off a lot of modern music is how clicky drums sound. Mm. And, like, you know, there's a few bands where it works. Like, you know, now Nathrak are a band who I think have what I would say is quite mechanical sounding drums where they just sound a bit triggered and clicky. But I think it works for them because they've got that industrial sort of edge. But there's most other bands that just... I just hate it. I just hate the the clicky, weak sounding drums. And, you know, that's the great thing about the 80s and the early 90s is, you know a lot of drum production had that stadium yeah. sound like the There were fans of bands, like, you know, the Queen influence on Halloween, like...
0: I love Queen so much. Yeah,
1: Queen are great. And like, yeah. you know, and the production on some Queen albums are just unreal. And, you know, and these guys, you know, that, that these those would be the sort of bands these guys would have been fans of, they would have been fans of, you know, the the early, like, godfathers of heavy metal, whether it be the Judas Priests and, and the Queens. And you, you can't downplay how much of an influence Queen are on so many bands. I remember seeing an interview with uh, Bobby from um, Overkill and um, he actually went and saw them live in their original incarnation. Oh
0: my God, so and jealous.
1: It was, um it was, I think it was like a metal injection video. It was like, what's the first gig you ever went to? And it was wow. like Queen doing the, uh, is it a night at the opera? Was that their thing so, they did? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and he saw it live and said it was just, he was oh younger at the time. It was just unreal.
0: I'm so inspired by Queen. I love God. them so much. They're incredible. Yeah. And like the fact that um, there's a, he wrote a song about his cat called Delilah, which is my favorite Queen song. Oh. It's just so cute. He literally meow. Meow. It's so cute. Anyway, back to Halloween from meowing like a cat. Um
1: <laughs>
0: I found it interesting. So I was reading about like kind of what was going on at the time. The fact that Kiska was 18 when he joined.
1: Oh, super young. That is yeah.
0: insane. Yeah. That will really blow your mind because at the time they were getting huge as well. Yeah. Being that age and then experiencing that like in any realm of professionalism especially entertainment that must be so wild
1: yeah yeah i mean yeah because i mean they really did have quite a lot of success quite early on i think and then they had their mid-period and then a bit of a resurgence later on but um yeah and you know you could you could you could tell he's a kid i mean just look at some of the lyrics and this is not a knock because you know, at the end of the day you know english isn't their first language but you know you, you could tell what, reading some of the lyrics that this is the lyrics of, of a guy that's barely become an adult but yeah. but it's astonishing just his vocal prowess. Like it's like he's he, for me personally, he's right up there with like Rob Halford in terms of just the, the way he can hit those higher registers.
0: It's so impressive vocally. Yeah, absolutely mind blowing. Super super mind blowing. Um, and it's you know it's not. I like that it's not traditionally masculine as well. I think that's really interesting. Like yeah. for those people who are like a female fronted it isn't is a genre and like blah blah blah. Like it is it's not a genre. Like the Kiska. If you if you showed this to someone who had no idea if, like, the singer was male mm. or female, they probably wouldn't necessarily be able to tell you. There's loads yeah. of bands like that, Mars Volta, for example. Yeah. legit thought that was a woman for, like, ten years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's I've never really listened to Mars Volta. They're really a, good. Yeah. They're really,
0: really good. I like them a lot. I recently got into them. Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a good point, because I think you could kind of apply that musically to the album as well, because um, mm. the uh, first album was predominantly... A lot of the guitar book was written by Kai Hansen, who was also the vocalist on the first album, yeah. before they um, employed... Uh, the 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 talented vocal chords of Kiska. <laughs> and uh, Michael, I mean, if I suppose in German it'd be pronounced Weikath, because that's pronounce the pronounce W's, uh, he took over the guitar writing duties on this particular album.
0: I saw, yeah. So
1: it's it, it has that more of a melodic tinge to it, so I think there's more... It's got a lot of pop sensibilities to it, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. You know, you know pop music when it was pop music and and not some some strange whatever the hell it is now. I sound like such a boomer such so no person. <laughs> whatever those kids are listening to these days, you
0: know? I uh, listen I
1: generally don't know what the fuck is in the charts these days. Like, I couldn't tell you.
0: Little Nas X has three songs in the charts right oh, now. Oh, shit, like, he's
1: doing well for himself. I
0: legit love the album he released. It's oh, do you listen really to it? It's really good. It's good. It's so good. Yeah. Sorry to derail Halloween, but it's actually cool. really good. And I love all the music videos for it. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, the uh, that was quite cool the music video done where he was like giving them Satan a lap dance and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: He can pole dance better than I ever will. Not that I even pole yeah. dance, so I mean not <laughs> particularly impressive, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I love the the prison video where like he just has a room full of like butt naked dancers who are all men. That's just so like so much more edgy than any black metal could ever be. Yeah. Like I would love to I mean I think Nurgle might try something like that soon though. Knowing him, he's probably like very inspired by that
1: yeah it's um i um i decided not to follow him on instagram just, me too
0: uh, i recently unfollowed just, him too
1: i just um i don't know just
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you see who was it was it nagaroff whatever he's called <laughs> yeah. he was oh, just black like, metal
1: ist Krieg guy yeah, he was <laughs> just like
0: i just can't stand that behemoth guy i don't know if it's anyone else it's just me is everyone else was just like mm-hmm, yep sure
1: I mean, this is the same guy that, well, give me a second, I'll look it up.
0: Wasn't he the guy that was like offering to play Steel Fest? Yeah, yeah that guy's so funny. <laughs> Hold on a
1: second. <laughs> He's so pathetic. There's a, there's a track on the album, Black Metal is Creek. It's got the best title ever.
0: What is it called? Just,
1: uh, just give me a second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it called I'm Scared of Non Masculine Men?
1: Oh, if you haven't heard this before, get ready for this. <laughs> it's, well, <laughs> the song's called The Day Burzum Killed Mayhem. <laughs>
0: stupid oh my god yeah.
1: <laughs> and there's another song eric may you rape the angels
0: fucking hell
1: and possessed by black fucking metal
0: wow well this guy really likes being a nerd <laughs> yeah okay
1: that's enough about Nagorov. don't know how we got to nagaroth from halloween but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go from little nez x to nagaroth too oh that was a beautiful journey through time and space um, yeah, Halloween. This album went gold in Germany, which is really impressive. I like that about Germany. They have good taste in music.
1: Yeah. Um, cause they all still have mullets. Not they all do. of them. That's, that's a generalization. But whenever time I've been in Germany, I see the, so many the, mullets. the, the mullet to non-mullet ratio is much higher. Yeah. in Germany than it is anywhere else I've been.
0: And right now, mullets are super fashionable.
1: They are. Yeah.
0: yeah. They actually yeah. kind of work. I always thought they were horrible. And then, like, all these cute girls start getting mullets, and now I'm like, wow, this actually does work. But I think it's well, more of a girl thing.
1: I think mullets work when they're paired with the right kind of dress sense.
0: Definitely. And uh, this is rich pilot. coming from me that
1: has no dress sense but and <laughs> no hair true. either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like... You know like when you see pictures of people that had mullets in the 80s and Mm -hmm. they would have a mullet but be wearing like business attire like dress shirts and stuff? Like what the fuck? Like that is not the hairstyle that goes with that attire. Like it just doesn't gel at all.
0: It's a commitment. You have to always be wearing a leather jacket. Like you can't wear like a polo neck.
1: No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean maybe like a summer shirt or like a Hawaiian shirt kind of goes with it a bit I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'll never know. I'll never get the chance to do it. I would do a skullet if I wanted.
0: You could do a skullet. Yeah, I think Devin Townsend to. immortalised the skullet.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, once he done it and kind of perfected it with his kind of dread skullet, I mean, there's Drunket. no one else can really...
0: He's kind of done it. He's been there, like, we can't... He's completed that level. No one else can really...
1: The guy from Blood Incantation's getting there a bit. Really?
0: <laughs> he's nice. got a bit of a skullet thing
1: going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm, skullet.
1: Which is funny because he does look a bit like an alien. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Does he actually? Yeah. I've never looked at him. Uh, <laughs> I, I might Google this in a cool way. I'm
1: not. I'm not saying he's a weird-looking guy. It's Paul, I think his name is.
0: Incantation, oh, <laughs> oh, that Paul. Is no, I no, think it's. Oh wow, yeah, he's got. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's got from from one bolded wow. person to another, you know what I mean? It's He's like got it's...
0: that like alien um, bone structure. Yeah, I see what you mean. In a cool way. Oh, that bolt thrower shirt. I've got that's that cool. bolt thrower shirt. I was like, that's a sick shirt. Wait, I've got it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a
1: cool. It works. It's a cool look. It works on people. It's like Kronos. Like, no one's going to tell Kronos that his head's shit, are they? <laughs> I mean...
0: Sorry. I don't know why, but you made me think of what's his face? The, the nose goblin man. Mortis. Mortis. You made me think of Mortis and someone telling him his nose looks.
1: <laughs> Oi Mortis, your nose is shit, mate.
0: <laughs> it's like flicking him on the nose.
1: <laughs> I think there was, I might have made this up because it's funny in my head, but I'm pretty sure he played a festival once and it was super hot and his nose melted off.
0: Yeah, I've heard this as but well. I, I
1: think that did actually happen.
0: I was on a comment thread and someone said they saw him in Wales and his nose fell off like one song into the set. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so funny.
1: He was on an Emperor album as well.
0: Oh, wow. One of the early ones. Do you think he wears his nose in the studio? It makes you like, far away from the night.
1: Maybe it's, oh, do you know what else this has reminded me of? Wow, right? I love Nordwauer. For anyone that doesn't know, he's a Canadian um, human interviewer, serviette. the Human Serviette. And he does the greatest interviews because he deep dives his research like no one else. Yeah. And he's like, he's very upfront and quite, he could be quite abrasive at times in the most endearing way possible. But yeah. he done, it's funny, every time I see him interviewing metal people, it never goes well.
0: So this Rollins interview <laughs> is the most <laughs> awkward interview oh, I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah.
1: But the one with Slipknot's really funny because I think he's interviewing Clown and uh, Chris Fenn, who's the guy with the long nose and there's one there's one moment in the song where Clown's like really animated and trying really hard to maintain some sort of like image and he puts his hand up and flicks his nose by accident and all the comments are just like timestamping the moment where he flicks his nose by accident and he's just standing there looking super serious while his nose is just wobbling
0: that should be a good. but
1: it's such a bad interview his one his Cradle one didn't go down too well as well oh no
0: but I heard the Cradle
1: one was poorly edited because apparently there's a longer version where because they came across quite like kind of standoffish and a bit surly um, but I do actually think he kind of struggles a bit more with the metal musicians. I think he's his woo House is definitely freaking out rappers.
0: Yeah, it's so great. I mean, the Pharrell one, where like he, he I think he interviews Pharrell like two or three times. The first time, like he interviews Pharrell, Pharrell is like so shocked, he's speechless that Nardwa knows yeah, about, like, one knows about like his primary school history and stuff. Yeah. And then like the second time, Nard like. Pharrell tries to surprise Nardwa by like having interview questions for Nardwa and he won't, inter- he won't answer any of the questions. <laughs> it's really great.
1: <laughs> There's a great one with uh, David Cross. I think it's David Cross, the guy from um, Arrested Development.
0: Oh, really? Uh, bold
1: guy with the glasses. Tobias.
0: Oh my God, Tobias. he's so funny. Yeah,
1: Tobias from Arrested Development. And like he heard a story that happened only like a week prior to the interview about him getting in trouble. Everyone's trying to like, smuggle a dildo on the plane or something. <laughs> and like he wasn't answering any Wait, questions. He was- real life. Yeah, this is real life.
0: <laughs> Why would you smuggle a dildo on a plane? Surely you could just have it on the plane. It was something
1: like that. And, like, Wow had heard of the story and he just spent, like, a good five minutes just saying, not answering any of the questions. Saying, no, 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 how do you know that? Like, that literally happened... Last ...like, week. a couple weeks ago. And, like, I've not mentioned that anywhere. Like, how did you find that out?
0: That's amazing.
1: But, yeah. I
0: need good. to... I'm going to watch that later.
1: Yeah, some good shit. Damn. Anyway, Halloween... <laughs> But no, I mean, I think I've said everything I want to say about Halloween. What a fantastic album. And I think, you know, just one of those classic power metal albums that still has a, a healthy amount of um, links to the past. You know, and, you know, like, it's got that traditional, um, you have that Judas Priest, Merciful Fate style riffage in it, as well as, you know, the even talking to Venom early in Kronos, like, Venom is such an influential band, I feel like. And, you know, I can hear so much of their work in so many... So many kind of extreme metal bands. But aye.
0: Thank you so much for introducing me to this album. It's an absolute classic.
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: 10 out of 10. I'm going to definitely dive into more of their discography because they have 16 studio albums, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's they've got a great song. I can't remember the album, but I think the track's called are you metal <laughs> and it's, a, it's, it's a really cheesy track. is it spelled
0: like with a letter r and the letter u or is it
1: i, I, I think so yeah I think that's awesome no it's a r is spelled correctly but i think the u might be a u oh, it should be i a might v. be making this up in my head but, but it's like it'd a, be
0: more metal if it was a v
1: yeah that would be cool more yeah. true in it yeah but i'll play you that track at some point it's a really cheesy track but i love it it's great i would love that that's in the andy Darris era
0: let's move on to carcass torn arteries released in 2021 let's congratulate bill steer for getting married as well yeah got married recently that's our nardwa scoop (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah um they formed in 1986 and in 2021 they are still going and they're still going strong as
1: fuck i could say so much about this band um The first thing I really want to say is, you know, I don't think they get nowhere near enough credit for how influential they are on so many different subgenres in the scene. Like you know, I could talk for ages about all the other albums. I'm going to try to keep it just about this recent album, which, by the way, is fucking excellent. It's so fucking it's a sick. Really good album. Yes. Um, but you know what I mean? Like the first couple albums, Reek, Peach Symphonies of Sickness. You know, I mean that basically started the entire gore grind movement. Every gore grind band now still sounds like that era of Carcass. You know, then the death grind sound, like in Necroticism, which, like, you, know, you just listen to a band like Aborted, for example. Mm. Like, it's just total carcass worship, in the best possible way, because I love Aborted. Um, and even bands like Berserker as well, so heavily influenced by Carcass. And then they basically started melodic death metal as well. And, like, what you were saying a bit before, like, you know, like Michael Amott, you know, kind of really helped jumpstart his career with yeah. Arch Enemy, another band really synonymous with that style of metal. And, you know, Carcass, one of those bands where, you know, you could listen to an album across loads of different subgenres within the scene, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's a carcass riff."
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah,
1: much in the same way. The only other band I could think of you could kind of do that with is At the Gates. Okay. Where like, and more in the metalcore scene because yeah. it had such an impact on the early like two thousands metalcore scene. And you know, there's so many times you'd be like, "Oh, that's just a, that's just an At the Gates Gothenburg riff,
0: mm. right
1: there." But no, I mean Carcass, I would say have an even wider appeal because it helped yes. spawn so many different subgenres. Um, I was saying that even one of the newest um, Gojira tracks on their new album it was the um, what's the track called fuck yeah that's lost I'm going to try I'm not even going to bother trying to remember it because I just spent five minutes sitting in silence
0: (laughs) we could do (laughs) that it'll come back to
1: me it's it's got the word thing in it I remember that (laughs) It was like their first single, I "Born, for one, Born thing. for one Thing." There you go. Wow. There's a track in that. There's a there's a riff in that which is basically such a it's a incarnated solvent abuse. It's oh, that's like, such it's, a
0: banger as well. Yeah,
1: it's the chuggy riff in that, and it just sounds exactly the same, which is great because obviously now you know. I mean, there's been so much music released in this scene; it's impossible to, yeah. you know, put a sequence of notes together that are not going to sound similar to one of the other hundred thousand, well, probably more than a million songs that have been recorded.
0: They are like the Shakespeare's of Grind.
1: No, they're they're really good. They're, yeah. they're just so much good material. I like I enjoy every album. And this album in particular, I think, is a an incredibly worthy addition to their already stellar back catalogue.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I just I love Carcass. Um thankfully I discovered them as a teenager, and I'm so glad I did, because they are such a good teenager band when you're like kind of exploring the gorier side and like i love the lyrics man like they're always so interesting i used to like i mean they i always say this whenever i talk about carcass because it's like my one of my kind of moments when i was growing up where i could like kind of fly my freak flag um and like i had um I had this like Shakespeare course at uni or, like my first year of uni, uni and this is like the only reason probably I, I vaguely went to uni I paid 30 grand for this so I had my moment where they were like bringing some shakespeare inspired poetry so I brought in um corporeal jigsaw, jigsaw quandary, quandary by carcass because they wrote nice. they have like Hamlet references in it yeah and I read it to like a, a room of 300 people that's
1: so cool <laughs> they got
0: like three people to come out and, and like there was some like really romantic stuff it's like Romeo and Juliet stuff yeah. there was like some like you know like epic intense stuff and I'm like reading carcass lyrics and everyone's looking at me like what the fuck <laughs> that <laughs> it's is
1: just, so cool
0: it's like what well, it's like a, I can't remember that much but it's like a doctor trying to like solve a murder by like piecing together bits of a dismembered body <laughs> <laughs>
1: amazing do you know that story is like it's like a real life version of one of those green texts you read on reddit <laughs> and it's like and everyone stands up and yeah, claps at the end no. that's like it's totally one of those stories but no one claps <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone just looked at me in like, like on oh, silence the and then i like i had like they were like okay could you relate that to shakespeare i was like okay here are the references here's how and i like i actually like tied everything together really well and they just looked at me like i'd shit myself <laughs> like but and they were like shocked they were like how'd you do that then like yeah. it was one of those moments yeah
1: yeah, God, what a great song as well. Oh, it's um, so. What do you? What's your take on this album in particular? Then.
0: Oh man, I love it. I, I, um, I feel like the Carcass guys, like their personalities, are part of the music now. Um, they're like ingrained in British culture, having appeared on like Red Dwarf, um, as yeah. well as uh, what was it some thing in the Smegheads? They played the Ohm song. <laughs> The Ome Song is one of my favourite songs of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's in one of my favourite Red Dwarf episodes as well, which is, I think, the one where Lister, I don't really want to, like, give out give it away, but... <laughs> oh, <spoiler. laughs> it's It's the it's Ouroboros episode. Yeah, is that yeah. one? Ouroboros. <laughs> o- o- <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Ouroboros. It's like a... a nice
1: like- to see a Michael Caine impersonation has come on the world. Ouroboros. Ouroboros. I've buried enough members of the Wayne family.
0: <laughs> Secretly, I've been Michael Caine the whole time. Uh, I was just gonna like fill yeah. off my skin, and Michael Caine would appear. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was Michael Caine. I'd be like filthy rich. Um, anyway, I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, I just love like they're just they're kind of been like these funny kind of like cult figures um as I as I grew up. And like I got to interview them many, many years ago. They played with uh Amonimoth. Oh, that
1: would have been the Defenders of the Faith in twenty thirteen, wasn't it? Was. Was it? Amonomoth yeah. Hell as well, right? Were there? Maybe Andy Sleeps band, I think.
0: Maybe. I don't remember. I I don't think I even watched that band. I just remember. <laughs> I just only went to interview Carcass. Nice. I had to interview Monomarf, and they were total dicks. I mean, the one guy I interviewed was oh. a total dick. Um, I'm sure they're lovely normally. They were probably just tired from being yeah, on Yeah, Johan Haig
1: seems like a nice guy. He's a singer over Monomarf. I don't sings. think
0: he was the singer.
1: He's like the really big guy with a the beard. No, uh, they're all big he with beards. Or was the or oh,
0: okay. Yeah, I think it was like he, he had a beard and stuff, but and like. Right? (laughs) Exactly. He's probably not in
1: the band anyway. They've changed members so many times. He was
0: was... so miserable, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he did not look happy to be there. And everyone was just, like, not talking to each other as far away from each other as possible in the room, just, like, on their phones, like, not interested that, like, there was anyone else there. Mm. Um, But, yeah, with Carcass, I sat down with uh, Bill and Jeff, and I had the most fun interview I've ever had. And we were, like, talking about, joking about Star (coughs) Wars, and Jeff is just, like, the ultimate dad joker. He's just so into, like, puns. As you can see from this album, which is full of puns, which I love. Yeah, you a Eleanor,
1: Eleanor Rigor Mortis. Yeah. play on the Eleanor Rigby, I'm guessing.
0: I'm assuming I've to. i missed that
1: one, the, the Beatles song, Fellow Liverpudlians.
0: And then there's just like Flesh Ripping Sonic Torment Limited and then Kelly's Meat Emporium. It's like, why'd you name it that? I love that. Like you can't find the lyrics for anything except for, I think it's <sighs> Under the Scalpel Blade. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's the only one that we're, the lyrics were listed on the uh, the Home of Metal. Encyclopedia Metallian.
0: I did a lyrical analysis on that
1: one, which I may
0: dig into later. Um yeah, I really, I just fucking love that. They were just really lovely. I could never, I couldn't publish the interview because I did it for another publication and some stuff happened. Yeah, <gasps> it was such a good interview. And I was like, yeah. can I share it on my own thing? And they were like, no. Yeah. But it was a great interview and they were really nice. And like, they were just really lovely to me afterwards when they saw me and, um, again, like a year later, they remembered who I was, which is like, why would you? I'm just some yeah. like small person. Um, So yeah, that was, they were just really cool. So I'm always going to love Carcass because they were like actually nice when they could have just been like, fuck off, yeah. you know? and um, Yeah, like I love the album musically. It's fucking incredible. It's like a development on their already insane musicianship and songwriting. It just continues to be interesting and riveting and you just can't stop listening to it. You don't tune out when you're listening to the whole album.
1: Yeah, it's. I agree 100% and um, it's always funny because I always feel like Jeff and them build they've kind of got a bit of a yin and yang sort of vibe about they them they do yeah um, yeah it works well together one yeah. of the funniest Jeff moments when I saw them it was, I think it would have been Bloodstock 2014 when there were special guests underneath uh, Emperor and um, some kid must have collapsed in the pit Aww. and like in Jefferson's typical like kind of like sardonic, kind of like dry humour it was just like ah oh. Uh, sorry, guys, we had to stop the set because some cunts decided to knock himself out in the pit. Oh, God. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, like, took the kid out. He's just like, God, I'm going to look like a real prick if he dies now, doesn't he?
0: <laughs> but like, they, took, but they actually took the kid
1: backstage in, like, a, oh. and, like, like, you know, it was all in good fun. And you know? they were just taking the piss. And the kid was, the guy was all right. So
0: That's so sweet. I've been a part, yeah, you know what I mean.
1: But that was great because, obviously, that wasn't too long after surgical steel dropped. And I think, good you armor. know... I love Surgical Steel, but what I love about this album is I feel like they're delving into some different territories. Where I felt like, as much as I love Surgical Steel, I felt like it was quite a safe album. Yeah. In the sense, I thought it was quite a, a, a pretty much a direct continuation of what they they were exploring on Heartwork.
0: I felt that too, but Heartwork is one of my favorite albums, so I didn't mind. Oh, and yeah, there was exactly. so much yeah. pressure on them as well yeah. to like have a good release because they, they left it so long between albums, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: and then, you know there was sorry I like, <laughs> <coughs> just cough wanting we to escape we just loved that. them so much yeah?
0: <laughs> we can't even <laughs> talk <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it <just, laughs> <laughs> that's like such a such a desperate attempt to get that sentence out before I had to cough <laughs> but no it was um, now the thing with that album was you're absolutely right like I love heart as well it's an absolutely fantastic album and then it's super influential as well Um, But I feel like what is super cool about this album is it's almost at times it sounds like a a perfect amalgamation of styles they've helped develop throughout the years. Like this has much more of a kind of a swan song, kind of like that southern swagger. There's a lot more kind of like death and roll style tracks and like let the, um, oh, it's called quickly The Devil Rides Out.
0: Oh, it's such a good film, by the way. Oh, it's a based film? Oh, we have never seen it? I had Whoa, no idea. What? No. Oh, it's so good. Bro. It's such a good film. It's such a sick film. Yeah. I
1: had
0: no idea. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah I'll have to watch totally it. recommend it. Yeah. Anyone who hasn't seen it, go watch it. If you like Metal, you'll like it. Oh, no it. way. was
1: a good cool. guy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, that's, mm. that's a swerve ball.
0: Yeah, it's really fucking cool. Yeah.
1: Oh, but, yeah, that track has, like, you know what I mean? And the thing is, like, Bill Steer is such a... He's, he's vampiric, is what he is. He has
0: not aged at all. So, like, he just yeah. does not
1: age, and he could still churn out so many good riffs. Mm. And the thing is, like, the, that Surgical Steel had no good being as good as an album as it was with such a gap. And I think people forgetting that there's been an eight-year gap since Surgical Steel and this album. So, you know, you would you could almost forgive them for doing an album that was... Even say a surgical steel part two, or but I, I don't feel like they've really played it safe at all. I think there's some there's some stuff on this album that I feel like it is kind of pushing the bar out for them a bit. One of them is the um, the last track on the album, which is another great track, the uh, Scythe's "Remorseless Swing." Mm. It starts with like this really kind of like moody blues bluesy kind of riff that sounds like something off like a, a like an Alice in Chains album or something. Like it's oh, I know quite, what you
0: mean. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's got a bit of that kind of that Seattle kind of grunge vibe about it. And um, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, I know Bill. What, what's his other project? Is it Gentlemen's Gentleman's,
0: Gentleman's Pistols, Pistols? So good. Yeah. yeah,
1: but that's more that style, right? It's more like kind of like rock based.
0: Yeah, that's like very seventies, mm. um, yeah. like prog, like really more like Atomic Rooster.
1: Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And you know, and he is such a, an underappreciated and accomplished guitarist because I feel like he 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 incorporates so many different styles of riffs, um, and this and it's all on display on this album. I mean, um, one of the track you mentioned it. Um, I've written like a fucking mini essay on it. It's Flesh Rippin' Sonic Torment Limited, which is I'm guessing an homage to their first ever demo, um, which was released back in pff, would have be what, the, the late 80s. Mm. Um, that track is I'm pretty sure that's their longest track. I mean, it clocks in at about just under 10 minutes. Nice. And it's got so many cool passages. It opens with an actually a really stunning, like, acoustic passage before it's got like that that kind of really classic sort of. Pummeling carcass rhythm section, and just really cool like dual leads. I couldn't find out whether or not how much the the guitar the other guitarist, two of them, has contributed to this album because he's not listed as being. He's
0: probably a live member. Yeah, yeah. I think I follow him on Instagram. I can't remember his name. I'm really sorry. Um, he's like a young guy, so I'm assuming he's not like an original oh, I just member. I don't
1: know his name. Yeah. Well, I will say one thing as well. Like Daniel Wilden, the drummer, does such a great job at the drums. They sound absolutely thunderous on the album. And as I was talking about Halloween, this album also has really organic sound in drums. Like it doesn't yeah. sound clicky. Because that's what I think compared to the, the drum sound on Surgical Steel, that sounded so much more processed than the drum sound on this album, which I think really helps the overall feel of the album sounds so much more organic. And there's things he does and the way he plays is kind of almost paying homage to like the style that Ken Owens kind of helped develop, to, you know, that traditional sort of carcass you know, rhythm section. Um, and I think he does a great job of kind of like incorporating things that Ken Owens would have done on a similar sound of the song while still adding his own flair and creativity to it. Mm. I think he's a great, uh, what, what a fantastic drummer to add to the band. I think he fits in so well.
0: I really love that. And you can... I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel like I could kind of... The twin lead guitars, it feels so Wishbone Ashy now to me. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I was saying when I listened to that album and then I'm listening to this, like, one or two weeks later. (coughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, like, I really really like feeling the kind of 70s stuff in, like, a really low-key way coming in probably through Bill because I feel like he loves the 70s stuff. I'm assuming he likes Wishbone Ash because... Why? Well, Why would you not? Well, he
1: was quoted as saying that he would describe this album as dad rock.
0: It has dad titles. Yeah. Like, they were obviously having so much fun when they wrote this album. And I feel like they were just like, yeah, whatever, we'll just do what we want. And I like, I think it's worked really well.
1: well I think it's came across super well because, like, you know, you listen to, because I keep talking about Surgical Steel, might as well be <laughs> reviewing that at this point. But, like, that is, no pun intended, quite a clinical sounding album. Like, mm. it's quite razor sharp and quite a good frenzied sort of assault. Whereas this, I feel like, has more of a jammy sort of vibe to it, especially on the track like Flesh Rip and Sonic Torment, because there's just so much going in on that track alone to the point where they could have just released that one track and I would have been happy if they just released that as like an EP, like a a Meshuggah-Eye sort of deal, where it was just one long track with loads of cool transitions. Like, I would have been more than happy with that alone. But there's so many other great tracks on the album. Um, Even just the the thrashy vibe of Eleanor Rigor Mortis. It's got a real kind of old-school kind of thrash feel to it um they do such a good job as seen in like older tracks like incarnate solvent abuse which we've always mentioned of doing really like moshable like palm muted like rhythm sections and guitar riffs like it's just so easy to headbang to and it's like they're one of the few bands who when 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 I when I listen, when I listen to them i think ah oh, i can't wait to watch this live yeah like, this is going to be so this is going to sound so sick live
0: They're so tight live. They've always been so tight live. So good. Yeah. I have a shirt from when they did the charity shows at the underworld. And it's like one of my favorite metal shirts. It's like so cool.
1: It's got the caduceus on it.
0: I love it. Their merch is really good as well. I totally recommend supporting them and buying some of their merch. Um, I love a lot of the references on this album. There's like loads of little references going on what you were saying, actually, before I go into references about the clinical aspects of, um, surgical Steel, and this one being more like dad rock I, when you said that it made me think about the album covers and like the cover of surgical steel is like super i mean suicide squad ripped it off um with that joker scene of jared Leto. And he's, you know when oh he's, shit yeah, did, yeah, you know, yeah. Did, you not, did you not realize oh shit yeah, yeah yeah there's a scene in suicide squad where jared Leto is like lying on the floor and he's surrounded by surgical tools and it just looks like the cover of surgical oh, steel oh, there, was, there you go like i've uh, Yeah, they're obviously obviously Carcass fans. Um, Another
1: reason to hate Jared Leto. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Apart from having this weird, creepy island.
0: Like, pedo-cult island. Yeah. Yeah, really fucking weird. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I feel that's a whole episode in itself, where we cancel Jared Leto and nothing happens, but we get assassinated mysteriously a week later. Um, Yeah, like, the album cover for that is, like, super traditional, really, like, clinical, whereas this one reminds me more of actually kind of, like, a proggy album cover. With, well, like, the heart made of vegetables.
1: Well, what I read was that this album cover is an homage to the, the Japanese kuzoku, no, kuzo, oh. Kusozu concept, which is, um, it was a thing where a lot of Japanese art would depict death and decay through works of art, often watercolour pieces.
0: Wow. And that's what it
1: was kind of a, a somewhat obscure reference to. I
0: love that. It's so the
1: heart, what made the vegetables slowly decay and.
0: That's fascinating. I really like how minimalistic the cover is. It's like very different to what I'm used to from
1: then. It's, it's great. I think they've got quite a good history of doing quite strange covers. I mean, they were yeah. one of the first bands. If you look at the cover for Necroticism, they were pretty much the first band, which has been copied by so many bands since to that kind of like view of like a coroner's table, pathology thing, where there yeah. was like some pictures of like like gory shit. And it was just, you know, it has an almost like an almost. Um, comic-esque aesthetic to it. And they're the first band to do that. And obviously, Heartwork has the Geiger design, which is super cool. Um, But just, I just love this band so much.
0: They're just bloody brilliant, aren't they? I really loved how the first album, the first album, the first song on the album starts with a song called Dance of Ixtab. And I was like, what word is this? This is a strange word. So the first thing I do is I Google it, because why wouldn't you when you are confronted by a new and interesting word? And I discovered the Ixtab is a, a goddess <clears throat> from the Yucatan region of... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I did write it down. Was it's like stupid. a
1: Mayan goddess, was not
0: it? Yeah, it's like South America. Um Yeah, the Yucatan Peninsula, I'm pretty sure, is in Brazil because it's, like, if I remember correctly, a giant asteroid impact happened there. It vaporized, like, half the ground. You've got all these, like, cenotes, which they believed were the entrances to the underworld. But it's, like, a huge cave network full of, like, limestone, um, crystal clear water. Yeah. Yeah. and they would like to put human sacrifices into the cenotes that were like the mouths of the underworld. And you can like, go diving in them and it's just full of like skeletons and shit, That's which is wild. pretty fucking cool. But anyway, Ixtab was a psychopomp, which means that when you die, she would accompany you to like wherever you're going to end up um, and like guide you like Dante's Inferno, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but basically, she would accompany suicides to heaven. And at the time of the conquest, which is like around the 15, um, early mid 1500s she was around, I don't, like, no one really knows how old she is, like, she's only really mentioned very briefly, but basically, there's a fucking sick quote, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote the quote, basically, um, this is, like, some white guy, He's like, they said also and held it as absolutely certain that those who hanged themselves went to this heaven of theirs. And on this account, there were many persons who on slight occasions of sorrows, troubles or sickness hanged themselves in order to escape these things and go and rest in their heaven. Where they said that the goddess of the gallows, la diosa de la jorca, whom they called Ixtab, would bring them. Which makes it sound like people would just hang themselves on like the slightest... Um, just mishap um, yeah. which is probably not true it's probably just this guy being like super patronizing but it's really interesting um, she's depicted as a rope woman or hang woman and like the, the glyph is her like it's really yeah, really kind of dark and cool oh wow I started yeah. to <laughs> choke there <laughs> she's whoa. here whoa guys praise Ixtab please please Ixtab it's cool we've got some Jordan <laughs> next door um, yeah no like it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. I really like that they're, you know, doing those different things, and are not just like okay, we only we only talk about medical stuff, and they do in the best way that they always do. But they also talk about other things too. I like that.
1: I think. Do you know what? I think they probably have thought hard about that because I feel like this is the sort of track where it would transition really well live. And I think yeah. there was a quote from I don't know if you have read the quote from Bill about this track, um, but I'll paraphrase it a little bit. But it was just like. Oh yeah, it's a great anthemic song that's going to be a real festival, kind of like bootstomper. That will never be heard live because festivals will just be empty fields littered <laughs> by, uh, by loose lateral flow tests scattered <laughs> in the winds. And I, was like, <laughs> I was love like, That's classic. That's
0: was so, so carcass, straight up. I love that about them. Um one thing i was going to say i was going to be kind of wanky i was going to use my um super super degree debt to make a reference to the romantic poet wordsworth who um wrote we murder to dissect which i think is a very carcass kind of deal cuz like they have all these like super super um detailed lyrics that whenever i read them i'm like i have to google this so i end up dissecting it and it's like fucking murderous i'm like murdering the meaning of the song but it's kind of what they want you to do is yeah. to like look in like they don't want you necessarily build like jeff isn't like i want people i don't think to necessarily do that it's mm-hmm. music but i felt like when i was reading the lyrics under the scalpel blade i was like googling all these words <coughs> yeah and i yeah. was like oh man i'm like dissecting this and i'm Learning all these things about it, it's like completely changing, transforming the meaning of this thing, and I'm really enjoying it. So I, I dug that.
1: It's, uh, yeah. Do you know what? I mean, that's one thing they've always been so good at is just incorporating things like whether it be the medical terms or just old, like kind of archaic words, and it's just so like it's just so cool because I feel like you know, it's a lot of lyrics can be quite sort of hackneyed a lot of the time, yeah, and they're just like you know, I just ignore lyrics most of the time. I mean, it's a shame I couldn't really find much. Uh, sources for the lyrics for a lot of the tracks yeah. I mean I picked up on a few things and and you know I'll talk a little bit about the vocals actually because this segues quite well into that <laughs> one of the things I do like about Carcass is um, one uh, the vocal style that they helped kind of make really popular in the death metal and just extreme metal scene uh, but also they, I feel like they're really good at, uh, at vocal placement of lines yes, Yeah, because you know, a lot of times I've listened to a lot of death metal over the years where I'd be like you know what it's, I would have liked to have heard that riff but there was like somebody doing stupid gut rules over the top or shrieking over the top. Like it would be good to scale that back a bit sometimes. And I feel like they've always had that kind of restrained, in the in the mid era, I suppose, anyway, especially with like heart work and stuff. Um, and that's one thing I'm really glad they brought back is the fact that Bill's doing back in vocals again, because that's the style that I feel has been so influential. You could speak to any modern death metal vocalist or death metal vocalist from the 2000s. One of the I remember watching the video, uh, it was an interview with um, Travis Ryan from Cow Cal- to Capitation, who, in my opinion, is one of the better modern death metal vocalists. I mean, he's got such a, a range of techniques, and everything he does is just trying to emulate that sound of Jeff and Bill doing their dual vocal attack at the same time.
0: Oh, that's what the weird skindred thing is.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's 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 like the high and the low, so it creates that kind of really ah. monstrous, like amorphous blob of a vocal style
0: it really is blob like
1: <clears throat> yeah yeah, and it's so cool and there's so many bands I mean you know I would seem to say Carcass were the Pioneers of the first band to really do that high low vocal style and just kind of mesh them together in you and Deicide as well to be fair in a different way Glenn Benton experimented with that a lot on a lot of the earlier Deicide albums doing like the high shrieks and the guttural growls but um, but yeah, uh, Jeff and Bill kind of done it in a way where it was achievable to do it live because it's too... Glenn Benton would do a lot of vocal layering so it would, it would work in the studio but you'd have no one else to do it with live. I think mm. sometimes the bassist would provide back and vocals but like Jeff and Bill would perform it live together. So Amazing. that's what, as much as I love Heartwork, work I, I'm always a little bit kind of just sad that there's no, there's not as much vocal diversity on that album as there is some of the other albums. It works for the album. Don't get me wrong, but like you know, that's why I was so excited when Surgical Steel came out and I heard that like the backing vocals were there because it's just it's just being a vocalist and hearing like more dynamics in the different styles. It's just it's always super cool to hear, and they do a great job of it in this album as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I felt like they had um, maybe a few guest vocalists on. There some growls that didn't sound like they were from either me, member of the band. But I did read that uh, Dan, the drummer, did some backing vocals as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I thought Ken Owens might have done some because Ken Owens did some backing vocals on Surgical uh, Steel. So obviously yeah. they're very... They
0: do like, involve him in a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're yeah. super
1: respectful about that. And obviously for those who don't know, I think um, was it was a stroke he suffered or... It was like cerebral or something. Yeah, so yeah. obviously, so, which is why he's not able to drum in Carcass anymore. They get um, a hemorrhage? I think so.
0: Yeah.
1: But like, you know, I've always been, I've always think it's been super cool how they've always been super respectful yeah. of how important a member of the band he was in helping create that sound. Um. So yeah, it's just, it's just overall such a great album. I mean, there's just, what tracks do I want to give a special shout out to? Yes, yeah, Sonic, um, Flesh Riff and Sonic Torment was a great fucking 10 minute track. Um, Under the Scalpel Blade, I thought was a really good song. Um, I heard that a while though, a while back though, because that was released
0: As a single? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, But that's got a really cool... There's a lot of groove in this album, which I like. So there's more groove in this album than a lot of their earlier stuff. So in that way, it's it's a bit more similar to Swan Song in that respect. It sounds like a more refined, kind of more polished version of what they were going for on Swan Song, which Mm. isn't a bad album. I don't know why it's so maligned.
0: I like Um, it. I but think it's a good I, album.
1: You know, it's got some great tracks, and it's ironic because I think Black Star from that album is the track that has mm. the most hits on their Spotify page. So
0: <laughs> it just goes to
1: show that, and you know, like Keep On Rotten in the Free World is a great track as well. Oh,
0: it's such a banger. I love it. Um, it's so it's, like. It's a great holy. album.
1: But, is and,
0: embodiment on that album as well? Ah, oh, i do trying to remember. The fucking verse riff on that is one of the best riffs. Ever. I think it is, actually. so good. Yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but just, they're just so good, you know, and Torn Arteries, this album, I think, is just a good amalgamation. Of different aspects of their style, that kind of mid-layer era, right. um, kind of me- mellow death mixed with um, that kind of that 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 bluesy swagger that Swan Song had. But also there's some elements of necrotism on here as well. I mean, they pretty much left behind the the grindcore sound of the first two albums, which makes sense, you know, because I yeah. feel like that's a genre and that's a style that they helped really pioneer. But there's there was nowhere else for them to go, I don't think.
0: I agree. That's how I feel about it too. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think I even remember watching an interview of him on the Headbangers Bowl when the would have been the 90s. I think it was when Necroticism would have been dropping. And um, and he was basically saying the same thing. You know, it's just like kind of done with the whole grind thing. So we want to give, give a stab at trying uh, this whole death metal sound that's becoming super popular. And then they released Necroticism, which is a great death metal album. And then, yeah, just like mean, I could just talk forever, really. The rest
0: <laughs> is history. Yes. Yeah, I really... They're, they're a fantastic band. Maybe we should just do an episode on them. If for some reason they happen to watch this and get this far, like, wow, you are, like, masochistic. Sorry for having to put up with us. Please, we will happily come to you and interview you, Carcus. We love you. And we'll be very sp- respectful. We'll bring you some Iranian food and, like, do a side card reading and you can make loads of dad jokes. It'll be really fun. Nice. Yeah. Um, on that note, final remarks?
1: Good album. No, I'm
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's alright. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it is good. It's fucking great. It's definitely one of my records of the year.
1: Nah, it's up there. And I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's testament to how good they are as songwriters and musicians that they are still able to release music that's so kind of relevant and slots well into the modern sound of the scene after such a, a lengthy hiatus and just because the great thing about them as a band is you, know, you watch them in interviews and stuff, and they're always quite self-deprecating and yeah. kind of unassuming in, in, at times. But on the same hand, I think they know how influential they are as well. And
0: are humble uh, man,
1: yeah, yeah. But like you know, at the same time, I'm pretty sure I've watched Jeff talk about how he basically, um, you know, with the release of Heartwork, it basically just allowed a lot of Swedish bands to come in and kind of clean up and make a lot of money off the back of that. Which is <laughs> it's true.
0: Yeah, um, they don't they don't um they will say like what's on their minds and I really respect that about them. Like when they've played live they've they've criticized certain yeah. things so I'm glad they've criticized and they have a fantastic history with like, you know, being absolutely no bullshit and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah.
1: And uh, so my last remark I'll say is I'll be looking forward to seeing them live at Damnation in a, yeah.
0: about a
1: month's time, just about. Yeah. So. God So that would be good. Look forward to that. Hopefully you'll hear some of the new tracks before the live.
0: That'll be fantastic. I'm sure they're going to be playing some new stuff. They are so fucking tight live. I'm really gutted. I'm not going to be seeing them. Um, And hopefully Jeff will be playing with the fan in front of him. So his hair will be like floating around.
1: Oh, he does love his fans. He he? loves his fans.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I love that. I think it it looks great. And like, yeah, I think one day I'll do that too. (laughs) Lucifer do it as well, actually. That looks very
1: good. Yeah. Man how shit it would be if i had a fan on stage. Just, being, <laughs> you, just, just
0: you'd just, love uh, it just, though. You'd yeah, love it Yeah, just from a yeah
1: from a from a personal comfort perspective. You'd want the, one of those like
0: Dyson ones that doesn't like make air like the air move. You know yeah. the ones I mean? Just have like yeah. one of those and like cover it with like a cloth so it looks like a weird demon.
1: It's it's funny cuz um I walked outside the other day and actually thought of you because um the first thing <laughs> I thought it was like a couple days ago here in the UK, like the temperature just dropped, right? Yeah, oh my God. It like plummeted mm-hmm. and I walked outside and I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I was like no. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking somewhere, somewhere in Hertfordshire, <laughs> nina's gonna walk outside and be like
0: fuck it's really I cold
1: now I and i'm that. just like yes it's cold again
0: i thought of you as well <laughs> i literally said oh floyd will be really happy i'm pretty sure i said that <laughs> oh, yeah was oh god yeah i've been bemoaning it because there's no heating in the bedroom so i'm just like curled up in like multiple layers all the time at the moment oh yeah um carcass fantastic halloween fantastic um fantastic
1: yeah good week of albums
0: absolutely um thank you so much for listening and engaging with us feel free to leave a comment what should we do next who should we talk to next and we will get on that so thank you for listening and goodbye till next time